0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, folks, we have been going... Through the Gospel of Luke, on an earth
1: walk, we've been looking at the life of Jesus Christ. We're looking at, specifically now, the teaching of Jesus Christ. And we're up to chapter 16. And specifically, Jesus, really, in his teaching in this chapter, as well as in chapter 15, he's really been dealing with the issue of the Pharisees. He's really been dealing with the issue of, really, because we don't have Pharisees today, so to speak... But we do have self-righteous people. Do you understand what I mean by that? We don't have Pharisees who are doing the things that the Pharisees did 2,000 years ago. But what they did and their attitudes are still prevalent today. And I'll be honest with you, in a church, and even this church, it is possible to be self-righteous. To think that you're okay, you got it together, And it's just a matter of time, and you'll be there where you need to be. And you look down at other people. And that's really the attitude that is really dominating these Pharisees, because culturally, in their time, they were middle class, merchants, prominent people in the community. Their focus was the law, the interpretation of the law, the interpretation of the Scripture. Not just that, keeping non-written oral traditions... In fact, they would keep those more strictly than they would the written scripture. And they were very judgmental of others. Everybody else was a sinner. Everybody else was worthy of hell. They were okay. And Jesus is dealing with them because here's the problem when you are self-righteous. The problem is is that you don't see it. You can deceive yourself concerning your true condition because you think you're okay But the reality is that you may not be. And so Jesus is going to share this story today. It's not a parable. Scholars don't believe this is a parable per se. But this is a story. Jesus is sharing a story about a rich man and Lazarus. Seeing Jesus specifically gives the poor fellow in this story a personal name, Lazarus, so that we can identify with him. But he leaves the rich man unnamed. He doesn't give the rich man a name. I mean, his name may very well have been Josiah or something. Who knows? But he leaves him unnamed because he wants this guy who's appearing here in this story to be representative of self-righteous people, of the church crowd. And so let's take a look at this together, and we're going to see several things from this passage today that I hope will speak to all of our hearts. We're looking at verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. Besides all of this, between us and you there is a great gulf fix, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. And he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham. For if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Folks, we're going to see a couple things here out of this passage. First of all, we're going to talk about self-righteousness. We're going to look then at the rude awakening, a rude awakening that this guy has. And then we're going to see the request. First of all, let's talk about self-righteousness. We see it in verse 19. Look at at this fellow, his life. I mean, he's doing pretty well. There was a certain rich man, clothed in purple and fine linen, And he fared sumptuously every day. He fared sumptuously every day. This guy is a typical Pharisee. And we're going to see three things about him. First of all, the first thing I want you to see is is that he rested in his heritage. When you talk about the Pharisees, what they rested in is in their heritage. They were... Of the tribe of whatever tribe of the twelve tribes, they rested in that they probably were circumcised on the eighth day. Remember Paul? He gave that kind of testimony in Philippians chapter 3. They rested in the fact that they were Jews. They were of the chosen people going to heaven. So this guy rested in who he was. That's a typical thing. We do that today. Some of you here are resting in where you came from. Well, I've, I, was, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were believers. I went to church all my life. I've never done anything wrong. Never done anything bad. Maybe got in trouble a few times, but nothing really major. And so you're resting in your heritage. Some of you are looking at, well, I have an educational level. I have a degree, or I don't have a degree. I've got a job. I've got this, and you're resting in your heritage. You think you're okay. Here's the thing that happens today in a culture. Listen to me. This is what happens in our culture today. If I vote for the right party, if I am uh, pro this or anti that, I'm okay with Jesus. And this is what the Pharisees were doing. They were resting in their heritage. Here's the other thing. He was deceived by his status. See, here's the thing about the Pharisees. The Pharisees adopted an attitude, which most of us sometimes adopt an attitude, is because everything was going well financially, they must be being blessed by God. So I don't know that I have that attitude. Well, next time something bad happens, look at how you react. Because if your attitude is, "Is God, what did I do that I deserve this? You've adopted an attitude where you think that blessing materially means that God's okay with you. Because if everything's not going right, then he must be upset with you. And so here's a guy, he's clothed in purple. Now, what do I mean by that? In our culture, that doesn't mean anything. But in their culture, to have purple garments meant that they were doing pretty well. I mean, only the wealthy bought those kind of clothes. And he lived sumptuously. Now, what in the world does that mean? Sumptuously. Well, what it means is, is he lived in luxury. He had people waiting on him, hand and foot. He didn't need to worry about what he was going to eat that day. He was doing quite well. Now, immediately, some of you are saying, Well, you know, George, I don't have that problem because I worry about what I'm going to eat every day. And the purple I'm wearing comes from Goodwill, 29-cent rack. And I'm not deceived by my status. No, no, you can, though, be deceived by your status. So you need to realize that. But I want you to see something else about him, because you may not fit into the category of being deceived by your status, but I want you to see this is what he was doing, and a lot of us fall into this as well. He ignored the needs of others. Because right outside his gate was a fellow by the name of Lazarus. Right outside of his gate was a guy who was just waiting there who would just do anything to eat the crumbs off his table. And the scripture goes on and records that this guy obviously was in a sickly condition. He obviously was facing some sort of thing that he had open sores. And the dogs would have mercy on him and come and what? Lick his sores. Not a good situation, is it? This guy's in bad, extreme poverty. And he's right outside the door of the rich man. And so I'm explaining something to, to you. I mean, he's got the status, he's got the heritage, he thinks he's blessed by God, but the problem is, is he's ignoring the needs of others around him. He's totally focused on himself. He's totally focused on what he wants, and there's a guy sitting right outside his gate in abject poverty. He doesn't care. He doesn't care because he thinks he's okay. And this is what Jesus is saying. You know, when you're wrapped up in self-righteousness, where, where you think you're acceptable to God because of whatever in your life, your status or your education or who you vote for or whatever, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. That, that, that can deceive you. That can make you think that you're okay. But reality, faith is not expressed, listen to me, faith is not expressed in the positions that you hold. Faith is expressed in your action towards others. And this guy may have had the right theology together. He may have read his Bible all the time, but he didn't live it. And his faith wasn't even expressed in a real way for somebody sitting outside his gate who's just waiting just to eat the crumbs off his plate, off his table. But, you know what, there's there's a rude awakening that happens to all of us because, you know what, no matter how much you try to live for yourself, no matter what you do, things always happen to kind of upset your plans. Have you noticed that? How many of you have ever had the best laid plans? this is what you were going to do, only to have them just fall down flat because you didn't consider something else? I've done that. Well, let me tell you one of the big plan eruptors in life. It's called death. And look with me at what it says, verse 22. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. What we're going to see is is that there's something interesting that happens. There's a rude awakening that takes place because you could deceive yourself in this world right now. You could deceive yourself sitting in this church right now thinking that you're okay with God. But one day, we're all going to face death. And here's the reality. Death reveals everything. You may want to write that down. Death reveals everything. Because here's the thing. You can look good in church... You can look good in the community. You can look good to everyone else around you. But one day you're going to die. And the true reality of who you are will be expressed. And so I want you to notice the rude awakening he has here. Look with me, verse 23. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off. Here's what I want you to see, folks. Deception gives way to a horrible reality. Deception gives way to a horrible reality. See, you can deceive yourself right now and think you're okay. You can even, you can mouth the words of songs, you can praise Jesus all you want, you can say you love Him, but in your heart of hearts, if you have not truly committed your life to Him, if you have not truly given yourself to Him in faith, realizing that He is God, that He died for you, bringing you salvation, but you're sitting there thinking, I'm okay because of who I am, where I came from, and what I'm doing, One day when you die, you're gonna have a rude awakening because like the rich man, you're gonna wake up, lift up your eyes, and realize, I'm in hell. Folks, that's what Hades is here. Hades is hell. It's another name for hell. This guy, I mean, you gotta, I mean, you can almost picture the shock on his face. One moment he's living in luxury. One moment he thinks he's doing okay with God. One moment he says, I'm of, I'm of the pure in, in Israel. The next moment he's dead and he wakes up and he realizes, I'm in hell. I'm in hell. And what's probably even more shocking to him, because if you look at verse 23, he looks and he sees in Abraham's bosom, that is, he sees Abraham there, and leaning against Abraham in his bosom is Lazarus. He sees a guy that he, in his when he was alive thought should be in hell. Told others would be in hell because he was a sinner. Folks, it's going to be a rude awakening later on when when the people we think that should be aren't there. And the people we said would never be there are there. See, that's what self-deception does. Self-deception really gives way to a rude awakening. That's reality. The passage then goes on, and he tells us about the rich guy in hell, and we're going to notice that things haven't changed with the rich guy. Look with me, verse 24, and he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Here's what I want you to see. Hell doesn't change hearts. Hell does not change hearts. So what are you talking about? Well, I just realized that this, you know, I've read this passage so many times. But I just realized when I was reading this, that you can still see the attitude of the rich man towards Lazarus. Because there they are. Lazarus is in obviously in paradise with Abraham. And the rich guy still has an attitude. What do you mean he has an attitude? Well, he talks to Abraham. He doesn't say, Abraham, Abraham, bring me a drink. I need cool me he's saying you send because he's still looking down upon Lazarus you send Lazarus you tell him to come and dip his finger in water and you tell him to come and cool my tongue see hearts don't change it doesn't change see this is the thing folks don't think just because when I if I do another hell I get another chance there are no other chances because you don't want another chance because your heart's not going to change And the very things that deceived you will continue on. Do you understand what I'm saying? The very things that kept you from true faith will continue on later on. Your rebellion against God will continue later. And all he can think about is his own comfort. So send send him over here. Take care of me. Hearts don't change. But I want you to notice how Abraham responds. He responds in two ways, two more points here I want you to see that come out of this. Look with me, look at what Abraham says to him, verse 25. But Abraham said, son, remember in your lifetime you received good things, likewise Lazarus, evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. Here's the first point I want you to see here. We are accountable for this life. We're accountable for this life. See, he had good things, but rather than using his good things the way God would have him to use his good things for others. Remember, this is the whole point Jesus has been talking about through Luke 15 and 16. His whole focus has been on his pleasure, his living in high on the hog. And right outside his gate was who? Lazarus, who experienced evil. Father Abraham says, look, you're accountable for your life. You are receiving the just reward for your life. This is the thing about deception. When you're so focused on yourself and what you want, and you ignore everybody else around you, one day you're going to be held accountable for that. And, and, And let me just stop for a moment, because some of you are saying, okay, this is what George wants me to do. He wants me to leave here today. I'm going to drive down through Kerwinsville and Clearfield, and I need to look for somebody poor that I can help today. No, I'm not saying that at all. But I am telling you that right around you in your everyday life, listen to me, hear what I'm going to say. Right around you in your everyday life, whether it's somebody at work, somebody who's a neighbor, somebody in your own family, even somebody in this church, it's somebody around you that has a need that you can meet some way. And it doesn't even have to be with money. It could be with experience, or it could be with counsel, It could be just even an arm around them saying you love them and you'll pray for them. Right around you are needs all around you. But if you are so self-absorbed in your life about what you want and the only one who's got problems is you, you're deceiving yourself. But you think you're okay with God. You're deceiving yourself. Because listen, folks, the essence of Christianity is not self. The essence of Christianity is sacrifice for others because that's what Jesus did and and this guy was so wrapped up in himself and here's what happened he was held accountable for it later on he was held accountable for it later on and here's the problem about it i mean we're you know here's the, here's the other point look with me at verse 26 and besides this between us there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot nor can those from there pass to you here it is one's eternal state is permanent there's no changing it and so when you end up in hell, that's it, it's permanent. This is what Abraham's saying. Abraham's saying, look, even if we wanted to come and help you, we can't. Because life is determined by whether or not you live your faith. Whether or not you have faith and it's truly expressed in your life. And was it wasn't in your life and you're in torment now. And there's no changing that. There's no changing that. One's eternal state is permanent. But I want you to notice now, Jesus tells us something interesting that happens. So the guy realizes that, the, I mean, he's there, he's in hell, he's in torment. there's no relief, no relief. He makes a request. And, and if you and I were there, we would make the request too, because while he maybe has a change in his attitude towards Lazarus, I mean, he still does care for his family. He still does care for his brothers who were who like him. And if you look at verse 27 through 29, he makes an interesting request. He said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him, that's Lazarus, to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Now here's how Abraham responds to him. Abraham said to them, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. What's he saying here? First of all, God's word gives a clear warning. Abraham is saying, Moses and the prophets, what's he talking about there? The Old Testament. The Old Testament very clearly tells us the reality that we need to have about our destinies. The scripture goes even further. You know, Jesus talked more about hell than anything. Do you realize that? And every time when he talked about it, he didn't talk about it like everybody was going to make it okay. He talked about people being cast out into utter darkness with weeping and gnashing of teeth torment where the fire is not quenched it's real so i don't know if i can believe jesus about that one you need to be careful what you say you don't know what you believe jesus about because if you don't believe him about that one how can you believe him about anything else then There's this guy saying well you know what just send him back from the dead send somebody from the dead send lazarus back for my brothers that should be enough to get them to realize that they shouldn't come down here and abraham says look they have god's word God's word is enough. It is a clear warning. Well, that doesn't satisfy the guy. because he, And he makes this, other says, well, no, 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 if one returns from the dead, that will be enough to convince people. And look at how Abraham responds to that. Look at verse 31. It's the end of the chapter. Then he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rise from the dead. The spectacular doesn't change hearts, folks. The spectacular doesn't change hearts. Abraham is saying here, look, look. if God's Word does not convince them, then how in the world is some guy coming back from the dead going to do it? Because it's not going to happen. It's interesting. If you go over one Gospel to the Gospel of John, there's an interesting story there about another guy by the name of who? Lazarus. What do we know from the Gospel of John about Lazarus? Who, he died, and three or four days later, who raised him from the dead? Jesus. Did that convince everybody to believe in Jesus? No. In fact, the very type of people that Jesus is talking about in this passage in Luke are the very same type of people in John where John records that from that point on they tried to kill Jesus and Lazarus. You think Lazarus is scared of dying now? See, the spectacular doesn't change hearts, folks. I mean, if the spectacular changed hearts, people would be, their hearts would be changed just by watching the miracles of Jesus up to this point. Would they not? Listen, some of you need to listen to me because this is what you're, you've got a loved one who maybe isn't doing right, you've got maybe someone who needs Christ, and and some of you say things like this, and you pray things, oh God, if you could just get their attention. You know what I'm talking about, right? Right? Folks, the spectacular is not going to get their attention. We say, how do we pray then? Second Corinthians chapter 4. Open their eyes. They can see the truth. Why? Because the God of this world has blinded them. they gotta, they got to have their eyes opened. Because the spectacular is not going to do anything. spectacular is not going to do anything. So you say, okay, George, how, how do we apply this to our lives here? Well, i got two questions for you and then an action point. You know, as we look at this story, you've got to ask yourself this question. Are you deceiving yourself? Are you deceiving yourself about where you're really at with Jesus? Folks, it is not a prayer that's going to save you. It is not being baptized. It is not church attendance. It is not coming from the right family. It's not having the right jobs. It is not being a perfect person. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's not voting for the right guy. None of that junk is going to save you. Do you understand what I'm saying? And if you think you're okay because you hold to that, oh, I never go to that restaurant. But that's not going to get you to heaven. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you deceiving yourself? Are you deceiving yourself? Because listen, you've got to ask yourself that question because one day, if you are deceiving yourself, deception gives way To a harsh reality. Deception gives way to hell. Here's the other thing. Does your faith express itself in action? You know, you say, I don't know if I agree with that, George. Well, that's what James talks about. You say you have faith? Then let me see your works. Because faith without works is what? Death. You say you love Jesus? Then show it. Quit ignoring people around you. Quit being self absorbed and self focused. Express your faith. If Jesus has so impacted your life, then it should be evident to other people. It should be real. But are you deceiving yourself and you're thinking I'm okay with Jesus? Look, everybody else can see it. Is it real? So here's what you gotta do. Here's what I want you to do this week. You know what? It's not even this week. Here's what I want you to do for a while. Carefully examine your faith before it's too late. Carefully go to Him and say, God, do do I really know you? Am, Am I trusting in you? You know, one day I'm going to die. One day I'm going to die. And I'm going to stand before the great king. Revelations chapter 20 tells us about that, about the judgment that will take place. And the books will be opened. And I'm going to be honest with you, folks. You know this stuff about your good deeds outweighing your bad deeds? Mm. I mean, your bad deeds outweigh your good deeds. You don't even know half the bad stuff you're doing. Do you, do you realize that? You you sin out of ignorance a lot of time? Jesus said every idle word will be taken. Just think about what you called the dude who cut you off on the bypass. If you can remember it. Well, Jesus remembers. And, and 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 it's going to be lacking there. It's going to be you know what's what's the verdict of the books? It's not good, good Lord. Well, what is there about this man? And they're going to bring out a wee little folder, and they're going to open it up, and it's just going to have this little bitty sticky note in it, and it's going to say, "He trusted in you, Jesus, and what you did." And he lived it. That's what heaven is. He trusted in you. Some of you need to examine your life if that's where you're really at. You need to examine your faith and is in expressing yourself. Don't rest in something, you know, I tell my kids all the time, you know, don't rest in the fact that your daddy's a preacher. Don't rest in that. Don't rest that you come here. Don't rest that you love the band. They love that you love the band. But loving the band ain't going to get you to heaven. Having the right Bible version isn't going to get you to heaven. It's your faith.
0: So carefully examine your faith before it's too late. Thank you for being with us this morning.